Oh boy, what is up? And welcome in. It's Post Loons, April 10th, 2022. Jacob Schneider from SodaSoccer.com is here, and we have the uh, the pleasure, the the responsibility. I don't know how we want to describe what we're about to do here, but anyways, we're here with you, alongside you, to break down Minnesota United's 1-0 loss at Austin. Uh, Loon's second loss in a row, first game in which they haven't scored a goal. But on Austin's side, it's their fifth win in six home matches, so they're staying hot. The Loons, on the other hand, going a little bit downhill. Um, and Jacob Schneider, of course, contributor to SodaSoccer.com, MLS Next Pro, MLSSoccer.com, E Pluribus Lunum. The list goes on. His own coverage, the list goes on and on and on. And uh, fortunately, he's here to help us try to break down and uh, dissect this performance from the Lens tonight. Jacob, how you doing? Uh, first and foremost, I don't know if fortunate is the right word after watching that. <laughs> um, I don't know if you heard on the broadcast right before the halftime whistle, um, there was an audio mic cue of Josh Wolf, the Austin FC head coach, on the sideline, and we heard him yell, what are we doing? Um, <laughs> Taylor Twalman. <laughs> yeah, and my I, I tweeted this out, and my first thought was, wow, Taylor Twalman vibes here. What are we doing? Zero yeah. shots on goal, zero saves, zero corner kicks, and 10 fouls combined between the two sides at halftime. That was abysmal. Like that first 45 was tough. Yeah, it was tough uh, to watch. We were... That second 45, I don't even, you know, besides the single Arudi strike, there was that was not a good MLS soccer game. And frankly, I I feel bad from a rating standpoint. That this was put on yeah, national television. Televised. Yikes. So, I, I mean, hey, it's good exposure for the Austin FC brand. Um, they are playing out of their minds this season. You know, yeah. good for them. And everyone doubted them going into the game. Uh, they beat Miami. They beat Cincinnati. Those don't count. They definitely do. The, every game yeah. counts. Every goal counts. They, tonight they proved it. So good for them. Yeah, they they really did. And to your to your point, Jacob, you hear Josh Wolf in the first half saying, "What are we doing?" It seemed like, at least in some level, Austin figured out what they were doing in the second half, and were able to generate some chances and some quality opportunities. Obviously, their Rudy goal being one of them, Michael Boxall clearing one off the line being another one. Uh, Minnesota, on the other hand, not really so much. Aside from a Joseph Rosales chance in the fifty first, and then a, a turning kind of half half turn chance from Bongi and stoppage time. There really was not a lot to dissect from an attacking standpoint for Minnesota tonight. Um, And I guess that's where we will start in our three things. Now I don't have the visual aids tonight, guys. So apologies for that. (laughs) Um, But my first thing here is the panic button is definitely within pressing distance. When you're talking about this Minnesota United attack. I think we've reached the sample size of games, minutes, what we're being shown to say, okay, there's, there is an issue here. I think we're past the point of, oh, they're still getting acclimated with each other. They're, you know, working it together. You're five matches in and you really have not shown any progress really at all. You've gotten a few goals. Great. Awesome. That should be the absolute bare minimum is to score every single time you go on the pitch when you're talking about this Minnesota United attack, the pieces they have in place, the roster that they've stacked, specifically from a striker standpoint. 
not even to mention the Robin Woods, the Mano Reynosos that are there on the wings and the, at the number 10 as well. It's been disappointing to say the least. And that disappointment now, I think for me, from my personal standpoint, tonight is really where it went from disappointment to frustration. That there's just seems to be a keen inability in the final third. And there was one moment that really encapsulated it for me. The Loon Spring encounter, and Eli Hoff actually was able to clip the video of this. Kervin Ariaga springs a really, really nice counter. Outside foot pass to the right. Robin Lud's there. He sends a low cross in. It's not within four feet of a Minnesota United player. It's, I believe it was right at the keeper or right to the feet of a defender. And that to me, while it wasn't really the most like eye-opening, like, ah, like moment of the match, to me, that just encapsulates how far away this attack might actually be from a cohesiveness and maybe just a, a, a tactical quality standpoint. What are your thoughts on that, Jacob? That's tough. I mean, I kind of want to look at it and I want to say that um, none of the front four, regardless of who has been in there, uh, Dunlady, Fraga, Bongi, uh, Amaria, Unu, Reynoso, Lud. Um, am I missing someone? I mean, none of them have really looked up to the task so far this season. And, you know, uh, if I said anyone did, it's Fraga in that first game. And then since then, he's been – this is his first appearance since week one today. You know, and glad to see him back. Uh, glad he's healthy. He's been dealing with a ling- some lingering injuries. Um, you know, I talked to Adrian Heath about him on Friday, and I, you know, we, we I discussed with him. You know, that left wing option. You've got Bonky. You've got Fraga. Fraga and Ray have that connection. Bonky has that so kind of that new energy that we uh, the squad has been missing. And then in addition to that, you've also got um, Robin Lute on the right wing, and well, Robin's just been a little. Uh, little off this season, I guess is the way to put it. And Fraga back today was a little energetic, but I mean, they, they just, there hasn't been an injection of anything good in that attack so far this season. And when I say the word good, I mean, consistent, I mean, beneficial, I mean, cohesive, like there's, in, there's single instances and moments of brilliance. I mean, every footballer has those, uh, and the big thing here, though, is that not one of them has come from Emmanuel Reynoso. Maybe I can recall one, one time, one time. And, you know, it's just, it's not good enough. You know, we have our three things. You know, my big thing today is that Yosef uh, Rosales, <laughs> he's a heck of a player. He brings aggression to that midfield, some passion, some determination, and some motivation. Um, I think you put him in a situation where, uh, you know, maybe he didn't feel the most comfortable tonight when uh, it's, it was a 4-3-3, but in transition they had him attacking. Uh, in that situation, you shouldn't have Yosef Rosales attacking. You should be pairing that midfield, whether you drop Trapper or Ariaga, you should be pairing them with an attacking-minded central midfielder. You've got three defensive-minded midfielders in a 4-3-3. It just it doesn't work. You know, you talk to any, any coach, a 4-3-3 consists of a 6 Possibly two sixes, but it's typically a six and two eights. One of those eights tends to be attacking-minded. One tends to be defensive-minded. And with that combination, you've got kind of a a cohesive uh, chemistry between all three of them that work. You know, one can cover for the other. One can jump. One can drop back. You know, if one gets caught upfield, the other one can drop in his spot, vice versa. 
And I just, you, you didn't see that between the three midfielders tonight. You know, Will Trapp, trademark, you know, first 15 minutes yellow. <laughs> Rest of the game, he's got to sit there and be like, okay, I can't go in for this challenge. Mm-hmm. Not good enough. That's your captain. It's simply not good enough. Um, and uh, a lot a lot of this falls on to the fact that this team just, they don't look together. They don't look mm-hmm. like they want to play together. They look like it's a group of three people. And those three people will play with those three people. Then there's another group of three people. And those three people want to play with each other. It's just, it's inconsistent. It's, uh, it's it, you know, it's had some good moments, you know. But in general, it's just not good enough. This kind of transitions great into your second thing, Jacob. So I am going to kind of let you kind of, <laughs> we'll, we'll do this. I guess we'll do this snake draft style where you kind of go and go right into your yeah. second one. Um. Don't be afraid to bench Emmanuel Reynoso or take him off the pitch. To treat him like any other player. He doesn't deserve to be treated in a special manner, nor does any player on the pitch. Um, the prime example I'm going to use here is I'm going to jump over to the Premier League with Manchester United and Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, Ronaldo has been benched on numerous occasions because he doesn't fit the, the, the plan of attack going into the match. He's been pulled out you know, just after the halftime whistle a few minutes into the second half because he's not doing what he needs to do. That's, you know, one of the greatest footballers of all time getting pulled off the pitch because he doesn't fit. A coach can't be afraid to do that. And I feel like there's, you know, um, a little bit of a, a situation where if we take Ray off the pitch, um, we're not going to, we're, wor- uh, we're worried we're not going to score. That's not the case. Robin Lutz proved he can score. You know, Luis Maria, he's proved he can score. They've all done this. They've all done this on different teams without Emmanuel Reynoso. Reynoso might be one of the best players in the league, but don't be afraid to bench him. If he's not playing good, he's not playing good. If he's not doing what he's supposed to be doing, he's not doing what he's supposed to be doing. Don't be afraid to take your star player and just sit him. Just say that you haven't been good enough. Be better. I mean, there's the whole situation in the offseason. Uh, that investigation is still ongoing, by the way. Um, and he hasn't been the same player since. And you know, uh, whether those two things are related or not, we don't know. But Emmanuel Reynoso hasn't been the best version of Emmanuel Reynoso in, in quite some time. And uh, in, in in a time like this, in a match like this, you need can't be afraid to pull him. You know what's funny is that is not a blazing hot take, you know, like in the, in the slightest. Like I think anybody who's watched this team for any length of time this season can sort of see – the and, and especially if they have the context for how good Reynoso has been, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the late late in the 2020 season, obviously he showed some glimpses last year too. Um, this is not the Reynoso, obviously, that we have we have come to know from Minnesota United. It's not just strictly based off his reputation coming in. He has proved it in a Minnesota United uniform, but mm-hmm. he has not been anywhere close to that standard, anywhere close to anybody's good standard. It's not like we're grading on the rate Reynoso, even. It's not like we're even grading on the Reynoso curve here. Like he is just objectively taking away how good of a player he's been. Just has not been good for this team. He has not been an asset on the pitch. Yeah, and it's, it's kind of crazy to say. Is he's almost been a liability yeah. at times with the giveaways and the giveaways his inability to keep advancing attack. Um, any he's the set piece guy for this team. None of his crosses have really been dangerous. Um, aside from maybe maybe a, a couple, but you're telling me that 
one of your other guys can't come in and do that. You're telling me based off what Kirvin Ariaga has shown in set pieces, what Fragapane has shown in set pieces, you're telling me one of those guys can't come in and do equal or better just in that particular aspect of it, which is where Reynoso has arguably maybe been quote unquote best for this team this season. Like you, you need to do it a, at the very least to send a message, but B, you know, give guys the opportunity who are itching for those to come in. Cause that honestly, at this point, they can't be any worse. Right. I don't, what do you uh, lose (laughs) when you're just looking at the very least, what do you have to lose by doing that? And you know, and even then an an Emmanuel Reynoso that's, you know, in bad form is still one of the best players on the pitch that, that, that we're not taken away from the fact that he's not one of the best players on the pitch, but when he's not one of the best players on the pitch, he doesn't do what's required of him in that position. And that's the biggest thing here. By no means are Jeremy and I are Jeremy or I saying that Emmanuel Reynoso is a bad player or that he's been playing, you know, like actually bad. He's just not playing to what's expected of him. And when he's not playing to what's expected of him, he's not allowed to bring about the greatness in those around him because people feed off of his energy. Fraga feeds off of him. Robin feeds off of him. Luis feeds off of him. You know, everybody looks at Ray to be their creator. Everybody expects so much from him. And when that the, those expectations don't deliver for, you know, let's say three weeks, a good three weeks now, it's, it's, it's time to take a look and, you know, it's time to have a conversation. And my biggest frustration is the fact that there's just an indecisiveness and that indecisiveness relies on the uh, 11 on the pitch, the uh, XI, Jeremy, <laughs> the 11 XI. on the pitch. This is yeah. Jacob Schneider special, the XI so, instead of the 11. No. So the 11 on the pitch and it's just like, at this point, there's a few individuals who have proven they should be on there. Yosef Rosales, his performance last week coming on in the second half against Seattle, 100% warranted start today. He was the best player on the pitch for Minnesota United in that second half. He was very good today, too. He, he, he was by no means bad. You know, I thought it was unfortunate that he was subbed off. Um, but, again, that's part of the uh, formation change. That was a formation change. So I understand it. Curvin mm-hmm. um, and Will, two defensive-minded f- midfielders, um, it's a decent parent. It just comes down to consistency with the 11, but that consistency also needs to be consistency on the pitch from those individuals. You can have an 11 you put out every week. That's fine. But if someone in that 11 is consistently not being good enough, not doing what they're supposed to, I just, you know, and, uh, and it's not just Reynoso. It's Luisa Maria too. It's that left wing position, whether it's Abu Dunladi, whether it is uh, Bongo Hulek Longwane, whether it's Franco Fragapane, you know, it doesn't matter who you put up there. There's just, it's just not been good enough right now. And, you know, everyone's going to look at today. They're going to be feel pretty bad because it was a pretty abysmal performance. And this probably seems pretty dreary right now, the way we're talking, Jeremy, like there's some yeah. positives to take away. Sure. Like Dane St. Clair, another good performance, Michael yeah. Boxel, a man of the match performance, a WWE slam that VAR did not catch. Uh, hey, which is wild for them. It's good for them my, allowing that. Sometimes you got to let the boys play a little bit, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's on my Twitter page. If you're watching this and you're interested, uh, at underscore Jacob Schneider, I retweeted it. Uh, Michael Boxer literally lifted up a player and body slammed into the ground. Uh, I don't quite understand how VAR did not take a look at that. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just looking at it, you're like, hold up. I, I missed it in lifetime. I 100% did. I saw yeah. this replay and I'm like, goodness. 
what sport is this? Like, like uh, uh, yeah. uh, <laughs> WrestleMania was like last weekend or something. So whew, let's, 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 let's chill here. Um, but you know, there's some positive. I thought Dane was brilliant today. You know, he's a bit chaotic at times. He, uh, he's very energetic in net, but he was mm. good. Michael Boxville, very, very good. Um, yeah, really good. Tabasi, very, pretty solid performance from Bakai Tabasi. Uh, I thought Kamar Lawrence had a decent cameo. Uh, Hassani Dotson was, you know, he he, exp- he he did what you expected from a uh, midfielder filling in at right back. Um, but again, it's those final four positions at the top of the pitch that just they're not, they're not doing what you need to. And uh, it might be time to do some rotation up top, uh, a formation change that might benefit a few individuals. So uh, anyways, I'll hand it over to you, Jeremy. We got uh, point number two coming from you. Yeah, so my second point, it, it kind of echoes what, what you were saying there, Jacob. Michael Boxall. I mean, that's like if you were going to give a man of the match to a player on a losing team, Michael Boxall might have earned that tonight because yeah. he like single-handedly or single-headedly, I should say, <laughs> kept Minnesota United in this one. A really good clear off the line, a crucial block near the end of the match to to keep a keep a goal out and keep the loser within striking distance. Um, he has been so – I mean, obviously, it goes without saying, he's been so solid for this Minnesota United team throughout their entire MLS tenure going on, you know, five plus years now. Um, and he just continues that consistency and continues that quality. It's, it's really, really impressive. And I really hope that when all is said and done in his career, that Minnesota United fans look back on, on box all the way, you know, that, 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 that legacy is, is where it should be because man, and he is just, you know, in, in a match like tonight where literally nothing else is going their way. Of course, it's boxy. That's just doing whatever it takes to keep keep them in it. Yeah, you know, and I hope he uh, I hope he wins his World Cup qualifier playoff, and I hope he heads to Qatar. Uh, that'd be super yeah. cool for him. Great opportunity. Great uh, if if there's a professional uh, in this organization who deserves it, it is him. So uh, yeah, good luck, boxy. Uh, on top of that, though, uh, let's jump to my point three, Jeremy. Um, yeah. Moving players, switching formations to benefit. The individuals on the pitch um let's not throw a makeshift formation in the final third and put uh bongi at striker and adrian unu on the wing let's not do that again let's, yeah let's play a, let's play a four four two let's play a four four two let's play a four triple two let's let's do something you know that benefits these players when adrian unu arrived in minnesota um coming from Liga all he had never played in a single striker system and that comes down to the scouting department of Minnesota United that they brought in an individual who was not familiar with their system. Uh, obviously, there's p- players are capable of adaptation. You know that's expected. But when the player seemingly does not adapt, you need to adapt to him. You spent the money. You can play Emmanuel Reynoso as a ten with two strikers. You can easily do that. Like that's, it's a four three one two. That that's your formation right there. You know, if that means dropping Robin Lude or dropping Franco Fragapane, it, that's what it means. Because right now what you're doing is not good enough. Um, United has an opportunity to change some stuff up uh, in the U.S. Open Cup against forward Madison uh, FC uh, in the coming weeks. Um, when you head to Madison, I think it's I think this, this is a perfect opportunity to do that. One, Adrian Unu is a must start. Yeah. You cannot go to this game and not start Adrian Unu. He needs the minutes. He needs the opportunity. And you need to you need to help him. 
You need to put out a formation that is beneficial to him. It's not that he's a bad striker or anything. You are playing to his weakness in a single striker formation. He is better when he has someone to play off of. It, it, I mean, it's it's you look at Inter Milan in 2021 with uh, Romelu Lukaku and Lautaro Martinez, one of the deadliest striker pairings in all of Europe, and it's simply because they have the ability to play off of each other. And now mm-hmm. Romelu Lukaku left. He's at Chelsea now. Now Lautaro Martinez is paired with Edin Dzeko. Edin Dzeko is nearly an identical body type style of player of Romelu Lukaku. Look, they're both successful again. You know, they replaced him with an identical style player. And look, Lautaro is successful. You know, it's, it's it, it comes down to that type of thing. When Adrian Unu was brought here, you should have played to his strengths. They should be playing to his strengths still. And that includes Luis Amaria. Play them together in a two-striker yeah. formation. And if one of them's not playing good, you know what you can do? You can bring on Abu Danladi. You can bring on Bongi. You can you can play those players in striker positions because they're good at those too. Like, there's opportunity here. And I just... Oh, frustrated, Jeremy, because I yeah, look at this. Same here. I, I look at this, and I feel like I have, you know, obviously I, I don't have a UEFA A license. I am not a professional coach. I, I, I don't do these things, but I, I like to think I have a pretty decent soccer brain. Uh, you know, it's I have dedicated nearly my entire life to this stuff, and I, I look at it and, and absorb it every single day. And I'd like to think that I, I'm, I'm pretty smart at analyzing and understanding how the game works. And when I look at this, I just get frustrated because I see opportunity. And when that opportunity is not being taken, um, it doesn't matter if it's Minnesota United. You know, if I'm watching Charlotte versus Atlanta United earlier today, when I, when I see things on the pitch, I get frustrated because I know that there's tactical adjustments that could be made to benefit the squad and to benefit a certain individual. Um, so there's my uh, final third point is tactical adjustments to benefit players. Um, honing in on the individual uh, known as Adrian Unu. Yeah, play to your players' strengths, right? Don't don't force the players to play to your tactical identity if it doesn't fit with their strengths, right? Also, this is a this is a subtweet to Thomas Tuchel. Don't bring in a player if you're not playing it. Don't spend a hundred million dollars on a striker if you're not going to play him in a two striker system. Dang it! <laughs> there you go. Had to get. That's that's only two Chelsea references in 23 minutes, Jake. You're doing hey, appreciate it. I brought up Lukaku at Inter. Why was he successful? Two striker system. Comes yep. to Chelsea. Hey, play with a back three, um, two midfielders, two wingers, and then you have fun. Like, hmm. God, it's it's a per- perfect example right there. It's so frustrated. Tactical adjustments play to your players' strengths, not to yours as a coach. My final thing, and we'll get to some of your questions and we'll shout out some of the people who make this possible. Uh, but my final thing is probably the most disappointing part of all of this. This is the first time all season that Minnesota had a nearly full strength roster. I would say nearly <laughs> because there were a couple of minor omissions. Obviously, Fragapane didn't start. He came off the bench. Um, Met Nair didn't start, came off the bench. Um, but so that's why I just say nearly full strength. But it was basically a full strength roster. Everybody who you expect to see in a starting 11 for Minnesota entered this game at some level. Uh, Aside Jeremy, from Tracy Nasper, of course, who we you know we hope is doing well. But um, the, the only individuals who were not available were Patrick Weah, who is out for the year, Chase Gasper, who is unavailable. Yeah. Um it, it, it genuinely was there there were no individuals who weren't available beyond those two. 
and yeah. those two we knew, you know, last week weren't be would not be available. So, yeah. uh, obviously, uh, Metnair uh, returns to the pitch. It's 2022 debut, if I recall correct. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So you know, obviously, the game's going to get better with Romain. Um, you know, the, the Ethan Finley Romain Metnair connection was was pretty awesome to watch just from a pure footballing perspective because of the uh, chemistry they had. And then Robin Lude kind of developed that with Romain Metinair last year, and we haven't had that yet this year. So, you know, the, the simple inter- introduction of one individual could change everything. And if, mm-hmm. you know, Lude is unleashed, maybe that helps Reynoso. Maybe that takes a little weight off his hands or off his boots, I should say. You know, it, it, it's it, there's definitely possibilities here, but it just comes down to expectations versus reality versus tactical adjustments versus – to your player strengths there you go all right obviously y'all have a lot of thoughts questions comments opinions on this match if you want to leave your thoughts kind of get your voice heard on the stream head to our youtube channel just go to youtube.com and search soda soccer or search post loons you'll be able to find us here unfortunately the twitter comments don't necessarily make it to our feed here so we do apologize for that but uh christian chimed in Right off the bat, actually, before we even got started, he was very, very eager to get this point. He says, I, I don't know where to begin. Terrible game. If I have to find something specific, it's getting really old watching Ray give the ball on bad passes and touches, taking terrible low-chance shots, etc. Yeah, we've ex- expressed our frustration um, with uh, with Reynoso's performance. Uh, Mr. Jeldy says, nice to see Metinair and Franco back out there. Hope that pulls some of the puzzle pieces back together. Yeah, I mean, those two have been absolutely crucial. That's a uh, good take. Yeah, I mean, it's a really good take. And it's it's something to look forward to and be optimistic about because those two just individually have been so crucial to Minnesota United's success. And maybe we're seeing that more now, especially from Franco's perspective, because we've actually seen Minnesota United quite a bit without Roman Metinero, unfortunately, because of his injury uh, issues that date back to last season or even before that. Uh, but for Franco, this is our really first glimpse, first taste of life without Franco Fragapane for, you know, multiple matches in a row you know it's one of this attack looks um i thought in the first match against philly franco specifically looked really really dangerous and i was really really excited and optimistic about what he was going to bring this minnesota united attack and then suddenly he's off the list bongi looks good bongi looks you know impressive there's a lot to be excited about with bongi but he's not he looks raw He's not Fragapani. He's he's raw, exactly. He's you know, there's a lot of uh a lot of skin that needs to be shed from Bangi in order for him to become that that player and that attacker that that we you know inevitably or that we hope he inevitably becomes from Minnesota United, where Franco does have that real solid um background and, and obviously what he's brought to this team. So um with him specifically, I really hope that brings together this this Minnesota United attack. But obviously having Roman back is huge. In that old perspective, too. Uh, let's see. Uh, oh, here we go. Here's a Chelsea uh, Chelsea reference for yeah, you. I've been laughing at this one for like a minute. Here's Alphabet. This team has got a Chelsea 2021 January Frank Lampard vibe about it right now. Yikes. Um, <laughs> I, I wouldn't say that uh, it is that bad. <laughs> no. That's a bad time. I would uh, agree. You know, I... I I do like the Chelsea reference, though. A big shout-out to Adrian Heath and Eric Durkee for remaining Everton's fans during this dark time uh, that Frank Lampard is their manager. As much love as I have for him 
uh, as a footballer, as an icon, as an idol of mine. My God, is he a bad manager? He's just I, not. I was to... not not a fan of the move when it was made, Jacob. I everybody was so excited, and I was like, "This is not going to work." At the at best, okay. I'm going to make this point, this Everton point, and then we're going to move on. At best, what happens? Lampard has a great year with Everton. Maybe they get in like the top 10 or eight or whatever. And then what happens? He gets, he'll get poached by another big European team, just like the previous managers have, who have had success. Everton is not a destination place, especially for big names. So no, we bring in a big name manager at worst, they crap the bed. At best, they do well, and then you lose him, and then you're right back in the situation you were in. I hated that move at the beginning. It is I hate being proven right in this particular case because he's been terrible. I can't even watch Everton at this point, really. If it's on at a convenient time where I don't have the kids around me or whatever, I might pop them on. But I don't go out of my way to watch Everton this season because it is just an absolute dumpster fire. Okay. Yeah, so I see a comment. Um, you don't need to put it up. I'll just talk about it. Uh, just about that set piece from Ray, the one that uh, you know you mentioned earlier. Uh, you know, it, it's it's examples like that. Um, you know, the, the the delivery from Ray hasn't been on point. The balls, the giveaways, um, everyone's seeming to notice it. You know, it's it can't become a commonality. And you know, on, on top of that, uh, I see some uh, Sarge at the bottom uh, agreeing with my formation take. Um, Good taste, Sarge, because, hey, I, uh, I'd i like to think that I have a pretty good take there, too. Um, you know, it, it just comes down to, you know, a, as a coach, you, you have to be humble enough to know um, when you do things right, but you have to be humble enough to know when maybe you do something wrong. And Adrian Heath has done that on occasion so many times. He's come forward to media post-game and said, I didn't get this one right. Last weekend against Seattle, for example, he came forward and said, you know, I should have started this match in the 4-3-3 because we looked better in it in that second half, you know, and that's probably why he went with the 4-3-3 today. And it made sense. They looked good in it. I don't know why the 4-3-3 from last Sunday didn't show up today. Um, you know, the personnel was basically the same. I mean, <laughs> you know, it just comes down to individuals and their performances. But I, I don't think by any means that this is, you know, largely an Adrian Heath problem beyond maybe not playing to the strengths of his front four. I mean, his defensive is his coaching on, on a defensive note. You can't ask for anything better at the moment. This defense is playing phenomenal for the inconsistency they faced over the season. God, this is they have, They haven't had a first choice front four all year or back four all year. Not once, yeah. not even yeah. today. Hassani Dotson's not your first choice right back. I'm sorry. <laughs> like he's done a remarkable job with his defense. You know, and it just comes down to individuals in the midfield making stupid decisions. Will Trapp with his fourth straight yellow card in the opening, I think it's 19 minutes. Mm. It's not good enough for your captain. And he knows it. He talked to media about it after the Sounders last week and said he has to do better as the captain, as a leader. And, you know, and then it comes down to the inconsistency in his pairing. Like, Kervin, Yosef, uh, Hassani, you know, it's... It's rotation. It's rotation. You know, they need to stick with two. If you're going to play that 4 2 3 1, pick one and make the others fight their way back like Adrian Nunu has to right now. You know, 
I think that's the best way to do it because this team's not going to get chemistry if you keep changing things up. And even though the performances haven't been good, sometimes you just have to throw them in there and, 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 and for a few games and see what happens instead of every other game changing. Like, for example, with Ray, that's five, game, five games, right? Five games yeah. um, where he has been rather underwhelming. The sixth game might be a chance where you say, hey, five games was enough for me to see that something's off. Let me, let me give you the – you're going to come off the bench today. You know, give, give that midfield pairing five games as an example. Yeah. I think, I think this team has showed the more that they're provided an opportunity for continuity and cohesiveness when they're able to get pieces in place for multiple matches that, that good things can happen. Right. And I just think they haven't been given that opportunity. You can blame injuries. You can blame, you know, other circumstances, but at the same time, you like, like you said, Jacob, sometimes you just got to throw the same guys out there and allow them the opportunity to gel. This team really hasn't been, you know, for all we talked about how, you know, the we're, we're frustrated and kind of maybe we're past the point of, you know, giving an out to sort of this disjointed nature of the attack. Um, you can also say that they really haven't been provided the opportunity to gel because you've had three different left wingers at this point, or four, no, no, three. You've had three different left wingers at this point. Um, you've had two different, or excuse me, one different striker. Um, but to that point, like you need, you need consistency. And yes, if Frank goes out, that provides a lot of issues, but at the same time against Seattle, it was Don Lottie on the left wing instead of Bongi who had been playing pretty well over the last couple matches and opportunities he was given. So again, there's been sort of, even with, even with the injury issues, there's been opportunities to keep the same guys in the lineup and it hasn't really, really been came to fruition, I guess. But anyways, I'm going to shut up about that and talk about our good friends over at stimulus athletic. Um, They have been with us since the very beginning, 10,000 pitches as a podcast launched in, I believe May of 2020. It's almost two years ago now, and Stimulus has been with us since the very, very beginning. Jason Moore and his team have been very, very trusting of us, um, and they are very, very good local business doing awesome things for the lower league, college, high school, soccer communities, um, really providing an opportunity for them to wear really, really good-looking kits that are comfortable to wear, and you're not going to break the bank to do it either. Quality game gear and apparel at affordable prices is what Stimulus Athletic is all about. Um, teams like Minneapolis City, Joy Athletic, Vlora, uh, you know, Dynamo St. Cloud, uh, the Anguian National Team, uh, Tulsa Athletic, all really successful clubs have utilized Stimulus for their game gear and apparel. And there's a reason for that. It's really, really high quality stuff. So go check them out. If you are kind of entering your season or maybe you're planning ahead for the future, wondering who is going to outfit your club with game gear and apparel, Give Stimulus Stimulus Athletic the opportunity to earn your business because they earned ours at 10,000 pitches. Um, We earned theirs in return and helping us out. Um, So definitely um, check them out if you are in that position. StimulusAthletic.com, you click that Get Started button. Now, if you're also just, you know, maybe not uh, not the owner of a soccer team, but you're looking for some some pretty awesome athleisure wear, uh, Stimulus has that up on their website as well. Um, you can buy that uh, on their website, stimulusathletic.com. Go check that out. Um, really, really cool stuff from Stimulus. Again, a great local business doing great things, specifically for the soccer community. So again, stimulusathletic.com. Click that Get Started button. Let them know that Jeremy and Jacob from Post Loons and 10K sent you over there. I've got a few more comments rolling in here, Jacob. 
Um, we got NE Big Blue here. Says, who do you think the starter at left back for the rest of the season should be? Lawrence over Fisher for me, even when Gasper gets back. Um, what do um, you think about Lawrence's performance tonight, Jacob? Uh, he didn't do anything wrong. He didn't do anything right. He mm-hmm. filled in the gap and did what was did what was asked of him. Didn't exceed expectations. Didn't not meet them. You know, and it's obviously it's yeah. a debut. You know, <laughs> I'm not saying go score a goal. I'm saying you know, do what's expected of you, and that's what he did. Uh, it's it's tough to make any sort of statement off of you know 63 minutes. I think he played something like that. Yeah. Um, you know, Onio Fisher is also a league veteran. You know, it'll be a battle. Good for them. Fight it out. And until Chase Gasper is healthy, and I hope I, I hope that he returns healthy, and I'm sending my best wishes to him right now. Uh, Chase is a fantastic individual. He's been very kind to me over the years. Always been a friend. Always stops by to say hi at training. Um, I hope that he's getting the help he needs right now. And I. You know, I'm wishing him the best. And when he returns to the to the pitch, he should be given, you know, the exact same chances that both uh, O'Neill Fisher and um, uh, Kamari Lawrence are being given right now. So I think that sums it up, you know. Kamal, Kamal, Kamar will have a chance to start. O'Neill will have a chance to start. We'll see what happens. But also, Dark Horse, keep an eye on Devin Pedelford. He's been very – he's been one of the rare bright spots for him in UFC two through three weeks. Keep an eye on him. That's all that – just say that. All right, Jacob. So let's kind of get into some of the specifics that happened over the course of the match. Sure. Um, we didn't get a shot until the 25th minute, uh, and it was was Minnesota. Uh, forced to turn over a little one-two from Ray and Robin that actually looked really good. Uh, sets up a really nice shot for Lud, which goes just wide of the post. And then 51st is when we got that shot on target, uh, courtesy of Joseph Rosales. Caught it great with the foot, but it's right at Stuver. Um, let's talk about the goal here though, Jacob, 58th, um, Austin building up some attack, Maxi Uruti and Mikai Debasi sort of make contact in the box. No penalties called. Uruti's down. Then he gets up off the ground, but nobody marks him or cl- even closes down on the passer. The sort of just forget about him after he goes down wide open in the box, receives an open ball. And, uh, one times it past St. Clair for the goal. Um, just give me kind of your overall thoughts on that, on that sequence that led to the opener. Uh, you know, this might be one of the few times you'll ever hear me say it, but um, I agree with Alexi Lawless and his post-game take that diving is an art form in soccer. If you're good at it, you're good at it. If you can do it the right way, prop plot it's to you. Maxi Rudy is a skillful diving artist. He knew exactly <laughs> what he was doing. He's, he's done it. He's a veteran in the league. He knows exactly what he's doing. Good for him. Genuinely. Like, genuinely. He knew exactly what he was doing, and I applaud him for it because it is a tactic and it it, it is a way to score. Like that, like that's just uh, it's just as simple as that. Is he knew what he was doing? He's a veteran number nine, and he knows how to find the back of the net. One of those ways is to do exactly what he did: skillfully dive to the ground, make sure no one's around him, get back up, turn, shoot, boom. Good for him. Simple as it is. Yeah, I thought that was pretty interesting. I didn't. I guess I didn't notice it when it happened first, but then they went to the replay and really showed how when Yuruti goes down, sort of the 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 C parts right, and he is just right there, wide open in the box. So it's very very easy to find him for that goal. Yep. Um, so yeah, I mean, kudos to him for for making that happen. Um, Minnesota did use all five of their subs tonight. 
We got Fragapani and Fisher on for Rosales and Lawrence in the 67th. Metnair making his uh, 2022 debut on for Trap in the 68th. You get Hunu on for Amaria in the 80th. And Bongi on for Lud in the 81st. Um, good call in the subs tonight, Jacob. Uh, and then obviously there's a formation change that went with those. Um, obviously, Hunu coming on a little bit late. Same with Bongi as well. Um, would you have switched up the attack a little bit earlier, kind of seeing the the lack of quality from it, or were you okay with that? Uh, I mean, I understand Pete's perspective. His best his best eleven in his eyes was on the pitch. His best eleven should be scoring. If I'm a coach, I keep my best eleven on, on as long as I can too. Mm-hmm. But at some point, there's got to be got to be a look in the mirror and say, Luis. To the bench. Maybe it's Abu Dunladi that starts. Maybe it's not even Adrianu. Like mm. the Abu Dunladi lit up preseason. He was mm. the best preseason player for Minnesota United. Maybe it's him. Um, but at some point, those adjustments need to made, be made before the whistle. I don't necessarily blame him for his substitution patterns uh, in today's contest because his best eleven was on the pitch, and that be- his best eleven should be scoring those goals. All right. And then I believe 90 plus five, or excuse me, let's let's get the uh the box all clearance off the line, the uh the due it deserves. Uh let's see, 77th minute. Um, there were two chances actually here for Austin. One, uh the first one actually, this is one that brought DSC off his line, uh requiring that clearance off the line from Boxall. So I mean, just just an excellent, excellent individual effort to keep the loons in it. Um, and then there was actually one after that, which ended in a bicycle kick opportunity from ring that, that, that went wide. So obviously two big crucial chances there for Austin, but box all coming up huge with the clearance off the line. Um, and then um, really good play. When you're talking about the quality in defense in the 82nd minute, this is something that really stood out for me. Um, so Minnesota gets a great chance to go off a set piece. Um, doesn't go their way. Um, and then Austin Springs an immediate counter, and they have numbers. But the Loons do an excellent job of getting back. I mean, you're seeing multiple guys just on a dead sprint back. And it's Asani Dotson who makes the chance-saving challenge from behind to turn possession back over. Um, talk about individual efforts. Obviously, the boxing one off the line is the one that's going to sort of pop to people. But that's a really, really good effort from Dotson to keep Minnesota in the match and, and give them another attacking opportunity. Yeah, I don't think you're necessarily wrong. I just – I just don't think that uh, anything was good enough, any of the attacking balls. I don't think, you know, (laughs) you threw Bong in there to try and cause some chaos. Like, that's all there was to it. Nobody expected him to score. Yeah, yeah. Muddy it up. That's all the ending was. Yeah. Yeah. I think if you're Minnesota United, you look at this and you say, today was not good enough. We're back to training on Monday. Uh, tomorrow morning, get on yeah. the flight, get home, get some sleep, do an afternoon training session, and uh, see what happens. Because, like, what are you going to do, you know? It's not like Austin FC are a bad team. Everybody yeah. expected them to be. They're playing out of their minds right now. By the way, today's performance was without uh, uh, their designated player and their attacking midfielder, Cecilio Dominguez. Dominguez is currently being withheld from team activities. Uh, due to an ongoing and pending investigation by MLS 
for uh, activities outside of the game. Um, and that happened Friday. They had two days to prepare without one of their designated players, and they came out and put on this yeah. performance. You know, good for Austin. And by all means, like Minnesota United has had a very, very, very tough schedule to begin the year. I think, you know, everybody might be pressing the panic button a bit too early. Uh, strength of schedule for Minnesota was the most difficult in the league through the first, I think, six weeks in terms of strength of schedule. Um, you know, and everybody, you know, would play the Chicago, when you go and play the Chicago Fire, everybody's like, ooh, all right, easy game. Nope, psych. <laughs> they have yeah. Zaydan Shakiri. Like, they've got a player who, they've got their Emmanuel Reynoso, the guy who can do literally anything out of nothing. If yeah. he shows up, you screw. <laughs> if, Emmanuel <laughs> Reynoso, if Emmanuel Reynoso shows up, Chicago's screwed. That's what it comes yeah. down to with teams like this. By no means is this, you know, panic buttons being pressed a bit early. But I will say the frustrations with Emmanuel Reynoso are warranted. The frustrations with Luis Amaria are warranted. The frustrations with the tactics and formation are warranted. Like, I can't get over that enough. Those frustrations are valid. The panic button is not. The Heath out hashtag, it's not valid. <laughs> I, in my eyes, by no means. In my, who are you going to bring in? You're going to get rid of Adrian Hood. Who are you going to bring in that is going to bring you to the playoffs this year that is going to, you know, bring the best out of a, of a group of players he doesn't know? Heath has brought in good players. It just, it's just about – it's the puzzle pieces are there. If you can connect those puzzle pieces over the course of the season, we'll be fine. Shit, we started – the Loons started 0-4 last season, guys. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, they're 10th. They're 10th. They're mid-table. They're fine. They're not great. They're fine. And when you're fine, you can build upward or you can build downward. That th this, this right here is kind of the stepping stone process. You can go up. You can go down. But right now, you're mid-table. You're coasting. You're chilling. By no means was today the end of the world. It's just time to start evaluating and looking at other options. Yeah. On the field, yeah, think... not with the coaching. Goodness. Yeah. <laughs> I know someone's going to look at that and say, yep, I agree. No, I'm talking on the <laughs> field, not with coaching. I think he's done a, done a fantastic job with this squad so far. And I think anybody who's calling for him out um, – I just don't think you understand how um, difficult of a position he, he, he's put in with individuals because as much as we all want to see other than a new play, as much as we all want to see him succeed, he also didn't really do what was asked of him when he was able to last fall and mm -hmm. last summer. So, like, th there's a lot of ways to look at this, and I think it's super easy to hone in on one angle and just be stuck with it. Like, he's not playing him. He should go. He's not doing the things I want. Get him out. He, the, we're not winning. It's the coach's fault. Obviously, there's the, you know, the whole thing with him being the coach that, you know, that guilt lands on him that, uh, you know, if there's frustrations, they land on him. I get that. Right. But it also yeah. comes down to the personnel on the pitch and the personnel you need to be looking at are, there, are there, is that front four because they are the ones underwhelming. For sure. For sure. All right, we'll get into some of our final thoughts in a minute. But first, got to shout out our friends over at Pence Holmes. Um, if you are on Twitter at all in the Minnesota soccer sphere, you know who Nate Pence is. Um, and if you've met Nate Pence, which I actually have had the pleasure of meeting Nate. Uh, I actually only met him once. I met him at the Minneapolis City uh, watch party over at 9th Street for their U.S. Open Cup match. Um, just an excellent guy. 
And obviously, he's been a huge supporter of us and what we're doing here at SodaSoccer.com. Um, and not only is he a really good guy and a supporter of Minnesota soccer, he's also really damn good at his job, which is uh, he's a realtor specializing in the Minneapolis St. Paul community. And if you just go to PenceHomes.com and read all these reviews, you see how good Nate and his team are at matching you up with the right house or making sure you can get uh, your house sold for top dollar um, and doing it. Um, in an effective way in this market, because as, as if you know, if you've been reading anything, this market's pretty, pretty hectic right now. So Nate is the one that can uh, sort of uh, cut through all the uh, all the stuff for you and help you out in that process. If you're looking to buy or sell a home in Minneapolis or St. Paul. So go to PenceHomes.com or email Nate directly. Nate at PenceHomes.com. Let's see that right there. P-E-N-T-Z Homes.com. If you're looking to buy or sell in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area. That's pencehomes.com. All right, so what we got coming up here, Jacob, we got Colorado on Saturday. So you got six days to sort of stew on this one. Um, you know, t- take what you can learn from it and apply it to Colorado. Um, obviously, we've talked about potential personnel changes that can be made, but what's the one thing that we need to see from the loons in this Colorado match that we just maybe has been missing? Um, that you think can sort of maybe turn the tide here. Jeremy, we've been live for 49 minutes, and I'm pretty sure I've said his name 45 of those minutes, and it's Emmanuel Reynoso. Yeah. You you need your best player. And I think – I don't think he's going to get dropped. I, I think that's – you know, I, I just don't see it happening. But if he is, bring him off the bench and see what happens, see what kind of attitude he has towards that. Because if I'm Emmanuel Reynoso and I'm dropped, I'm pissed off. But yeah. if I am, uh, if I'm looking for one big change, I'm looking for early aggression from the attacking front four. Um, find that early goal, get that opener in the first 15 minutes on the road, and then then feel free to maybe step sit back a little bit, and then go again in the second half in those first 15. Loons have been good in the first 15 so far this season. Yeah, it's kind of an opposite of where they were last year. Against the Sounders, they were the best team on the pitch in the first 15 minutes. Um, yeah. Today, I don't think either team was good in the first 15 minutes. Neither team was good in the first 45, Jacob. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know how you, know, you do a one? You just do this, and then it's a four. <laughs> there you go. But, uh, you know, I'm just – from a from a neutral's perspective, by no means – because everything I say, I, I am not a Minnesota United fan by any means. And I always stress that when I'm, uh, when I'm talking to people, by no means do I look at anything from, like, a fan's perspective. I, I am a media member, I am neutral, and I write about the team. It's it's my job, and with it being my job, I'm allowed to, you know, ingrain things in my head that probably fans don't, and I think I look, you know, I, I look and I want to see more overlap play between the fullbacks and the wingers. I want to see, if you're going with three midfielders again, I want to see someone primarily looking to be an attacking-minded midfielder that Emmanuel Reynoso can do one-twos with, that, to, to pair with Luis Amaria. Um you know, I, I I don't think we're going to see any drastic formation changes. I think we're going to see what we know. Um, and it just comes down to the personnel showing up. So personnel yeah. shows up. More overlap play between the wingers and the fullbacks for sure. Um, good distribution uh, today from um, Dan St. Clair when the opportunity was given. Very, very little. Um, but if if you can get Dane St. Clair's distribution on point, hit the counter, I, I just I, th- I think there's so much opportunity. But also start Franco Fragapane. 
Fraga needs to start. Yes. If he's if he's, if he's healthy, start him for sure. Because there seems to be a connection with him and Ray. Yeah. I I completely so, agree. My uh my I guess one thing I would want to see is, is a lot more direct play in the attack. There's way too much side to side for me tonight. Way too way too slow getting into any sort of attacking sequence. They really relied on like there were just a few chances where they were able to get long ball counters. And that's really the only direct play that we saw from this team all night long that they were able to, and that's when they were able to generate decent chances. Yeah. Um, so you've got to be more direct. You've got to be more north-south with the way you want to play, especially with the struggles for Reynoso. Playing side-to-side side and trying to meticulously work your way up the pitch with the way Reynoso's playing and specifically the turnovers that he's uh, you know, in, in, incurred for this team, uh, it's just not working right now. Um, and so one of the best ways to sort of negate that is to just sort of get forward and maybe get him the ball, but get get him off the ball quick, which is crazy to think that's what we're saying about Reynoso. But um, sort of maybe just use him as a piece in a small piece in generating attack. Again, I'm smiling and I see you laughing while I'm saying that, too. It just no, seems so I was weird. yawning. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's OK. That's OK. It's late. It's 10.08 p.m. on a on a Sunday. Um, yeah. But. Yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things where there there are some changes that need to be made, and I don't think we're anywhere near to the point of the season yet where we're saying, okay, these changes aren't being made, so we need to completely like abandon ship and abort mission and start from scratch. We're not anywhere close to that yet. Um, yeah, Minnesota I- United has eight points in five matches. Um, that's five points better than they were last year after five matches, I believe. So I, I think you can you can build off this in a way that I mean they were able to make something out of completely nothing last year. So you can definitely make something out of this moving forward. Yeah, yeah you can definitely. Um, the West is competitive though. You got to yeah, play your best is. ever. You got to play your best week in and week out. And you got to start producing. Um, I think. Yeah, I just think that Minnesota United has got opportunity they can they've got the pieces put them together and you've got a good team um you know i'm not going to say that about their second team uh work to be done there jeremy yes. um, and ufc2 is bottom of the mls next pro table but i will i'll just say you know there's there's room for growth it'll come it has come the past couple of years um but what it comes down to is is if it's going to become consistent and the consistency is key. We'll see what happens. Um, It's frustrating night for Minnesota United fans. I can tell my Twitter timeline is full of negative comments. My Twitter timeline is full of, you know, hashtag Heath out. Uh, My Twitter timeline is full of bench Luis Amaria. Uh, It's just, there's a lot of negativity surrounding the loss tonight and I get it. But like Jeremy said, a better start than last season um you've got one player basically going to the world cup you've got a second who has a chance to go to the world cup you've got individuals who have been called up for their national teams multiple you've got a 21 year old south african international who is dancing on the pitch it feels like when he's there um the the pieces are there the the atmosphere at allianz field is there the fans are there Sometimes you just need to be supportive and not so negative and be optimistic because a lot of the times it makes for a better watching experience for you and those around you. 
And instead of doom scrolling on social media, seeing all the negativity, just be optimistic that when you go to Colorado next weekend, you'll have a better performance. So I, I think that's the that's the, the biggest thing I, I could take away from today. Is there just seems to be so much negativity surrounding this game that um, from a fan's perspective, don't absorb it. It ain't good for you. From a, from a media perspective, it's it's not necessarily you know negativity. It's it's stats. It's stuff we put in our heads. It's it's how my, our brains work. You know when we talk about it, it's 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 not like a fan. We we talk about this stuff like you know it's this is this is part of our our work, Jeremy. You know, and we we look at it differently. So I think a lot of people also got just got to sit back and look and realize you're doing better than you did last year. You've made the playoffs three years in a row. You've got the personnel. Yes, individuals are playing poorly, but it'll come together. It's the beginning of the season. So, yeah. And I'm I'm approaching this completely as a fan, and I'm not doom scrolling. So, yeah. it can be done if you're a fan. It can it can be done. I'm living proof. Um, one last shout out before we get out of here. I hope you stick around and hear about our friends over at Night Street Soccer and Coffee. You've heard us talk about them a little bit already on the show tonight, but it really is kind of a, a hub for Minnesota soccer and the Minnesota soccer community, specifically here in the Twin Cities. Um, it's part indoor soccer, part coffee shop, two of Jacob's most favorite things, soccer and coffee. Um, and you can, so you can get your, get your pickup in and then get your pick me up for the, uh, from the, from the coffee shop. It's, it's a really good kind of two in one. Also, if you're one of those work from home people that have the flexibility to maybe work from home, but in another place, um, they always have soccer on at ninth street. So you can go sit in the coffee shop at ninth street, watch some soccer while you're doing your work. Um, it's just a really, really cool spot. And they also have watch parties periodically for Minnesota United road matches throughout the season. They had one tonight for the Austin match. So just follow them on social media at Ninth Street MPLS. You can see it right down there spelled out N-I-N-T-H-S-T-R-E-E-T MPLS. Or also check out their website for all the info. That's NinthStreetMPLS.com. Derek and the team at Ninth Street has been have been just so awesome to us. Um, and so we hope that you support them as well. NinthStreetMPLS.com. Jacob, I have just one more comment before we get out of here. I love yeah. the Chacon and Ted Lasso double you got yeah, there behind you. Good vibes all around. I love it. Hey, Tomas always makes an appearance on post loads, Jeremy. Tomas forever. Yeah, and if we uh, if we just look up a little bit, we've got Didier Drogba. It's kind of hard to see. Didier Drogba's uh, winning penalty against Manuel Neuer in the 2012 Champions, 2012-13 Champions League. So we've got a little representation here. Uh, I should I should mention his name. Didier always makes an appearance too. I've got him in the background. The Zoom camera's just a little zoomed in today. But, you know, Ted Lasso makes me happy. Tomas Chacon, a fantastic bit. And Didier Drogba, the best to ever do it. There you go. All right. That's how we end Post Loons tonight. We hope you check us out. On Saturday, following the match with Colorado, um, maybe, maybe some more good vibes after that one. We shall see. But again, check out everything we're doing at SodaSoccer.com. Jacob Schneider, John Marthaler, Dominic Jose Bazonio, Eli Hoff, all doing some great stuff on the website. So if you haven't checked us out yet, S-E-T-O-S, wow, let me try that again. S-O-T-A, Soccer.com, your new home for soccer coverage in the North. We appreciate your support. Thank you guys so much, and we will catch you Saturday.